Okay, class. Today we're gonna start with the basics. <laughs> Lutheran podcast where new life in Christ is celebrated and we explore together how to live the Christian life in excellence. I'm Pastor Eric. Thanks for listening today. And with me, as always in this series, in my office is our youth director, Tim Thompson. How are you doing, Tim? Good, good. Thank you. And of course, Pastor Ben is with us. How are you doing? I'm doing wonderful. Good, good. Today is election day and uh, and here at New Life, we have a polling place. So I've been up I got up very early and I did not bring a change of clothes. So I'm wearing gym shorts and a hoodie and I look like Tim, how Tim dresses. And you said four or five people were pressed up against the glass door. They were waiting. But seriously though, there was probably a dozen and a half cars in the parking lot waiting. That's when we opened. It takes a lot of math to do that though. A dozen and a half cars. A dozen and a half. That's 18. 18. That's not a lot of math. Couldn't you just say a baker's dozen? That's 13. That's the, yeah. You could have oh. just said there are like 18 cars, but you know, it's whatever. It's, it's good. I just learned something new. I'm glad I came to the podcast today. Yeah. You, know, you learned a baker's dozen is 13. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a dozen and one for the baker. Oh, <laughs> see, I've never had to bake anything. Uh, yeah. <laughs> today we are going to talk about politics, which is uh, always a great thing to talk about. And it's absolutely, there's, there's nothing uh, that can rock the boat here. It's at, I mean, there, there never is controversy. There's never tension when we talk about politics. So we're just going to have a nice, easy conversation about politics today. Um, of course, this week, by the time this episode airs, we're probably going to know the results or at least know the initial results. So I don't know what's going to happen in two days. But today we're going to talk more generally about politics. So uh, you're not going to get a reaction of, of the voting this week. But Are we going to put our prediction in? We all I have think, a guess. I think, I think we should. I think that'd be good. Yeah, <laughs> I think we, we should. We should do all a right. prediction. So just to be clear, these are not who we want to win. This is who we yeah, think are going a, to win. This is a prediction, not a not a hopeful. This is a prediction. So Ben, what do you? Who do you have this week? I'm going to go with the independent, Joy Jorgensen. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say Kanye as, as the dark horse. <laughs> oh man. I'm, I'm going to go with. I mean, if I was a betting man, I want to make money. I'd go Trump because he's been losing in all the polls. Mm-hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to go with, I'm guessing we walk away with a Biden Harris administration is my guess. Um, so for egg for bonus points, what's the electoral college vote going to be? Give me exact numbers. Are you thinking split 269, 269? You thinking what, what's going on in your mind? I think it's going to be not close. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) I think, I I think uh, Biden wins, uh, as, as, as a, uh, runaway. Well, first of all, you're assuming that I actually know the number count. I have no idea. <laughs> well, it's 269 plus 269. So what yeah. is that? 520, uh, 538? Yeah. Oh. So like I said, we're not endorsing candidates here or saying who we want to win. That's just my my guess. That's yeah. just that's just gun to your head. Who do you think is going to win? Yeah. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I... Uh, I mean, well, you can't say I don't know. You have to no, because I thought I knew. I thought um, Hillary was going to win in yeah. 2016. We all did. Yeah, uh, and you know, like she blew like the like a huge lead. Big um, time, yeah. And so, like I, I mean, I would say sure. Like um, you know, Trump is not winning and not doing great in a lot of the polls, but that honestly doesn't mean a yeah, whole lot. Right. Mm-hmm. So I still think he might win, um, but. If a gun is to my head, I'm going to just take the safe bet, which would be Biden. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think I, I agree with you guys. I think the end of this week, 
um, it'll be very clear that um, the Biden-Harris ticket won. And I'm gonna I'm gonna give a, a specific prediction. I predict that Wisconsin goes to Trump. That's a swing state that goes to Trump. Mm-hmm. Florida's gonna flip and go to Biden this year. Okay. And then Biden's gonna get Michigan, Ohio, Pennsylvania, and Nevada. So I think that he's go- I think that he's probably gonna win. I think that he's gonna have like over 300 electoral college mm-hmm. votes. So okay. I think it's gonna be kind of a landslide. Um, if I had to predict, that's what I th- bet would happen yeah. at the end of this week. And if Eric is wrong, he'll just edit out this part of the podcast. That's yeah. right. And then I'll re-record his, a, the, my, the, the perfect other, the other, the other, Yeah, that's right. I'll re-record Trump with, what, what did he win? I, I mean, he got like 320 electoral college votes in 2016. So mm-hmm. who, who knows? Maybe, you know, I don't know. All right. So there's our predictions. So on Thursday, we'll see. We'll see who's closest. Um, but we're going to talk about politics and the Christian because obviously this is a very uh, – this is this is a hot topic right now. This is what everyone's talking about. There are people who are super anxious about what's um, what's going to happen this week. I know the three of us have, have a variety of political opinions and we're not going to actually dig into uh, politics itself. So we're not going to discuss policy or um, those types of things. But we're going to talk more generally about how Christians should approach – the political process um, and and how Christians should think about politics, because at, at the end of the day, our salvation is not won by person in the White House. Mm-hmm. Um, our salvation is won by Jesus Christ, and the, and the central, like the central proclamation of the gospel, is that Jesus is Lord, that He's the King of the cosmos, that He's the one who um, rules. At the end of the day, so uh, that that raises the question of how we should approach politics. So I actually want to um, start by discussing a little bit um, why we think that people, I, I mean, even Christians really buy into politics. Why do you think that people are so, um, are so emotionally invested? I mean, I mean, this year in 2020, there have been um, uh, kidnapping attempts uh, of governors by, by, white supremacist militias, there's been rioting um, in the cities. There's been so much uh, emotional ex- expense made um, mm-hmm. by both sides, uh, by all sides. We're all very emotional this year, uh, especially when it comes to politics. Why do we get so invested in politics and why um, Why are e- even Christians so invested in uh, the political system? Because we want to win. And uh, it's like having a sports team that actually legitimately kind of has influence Mm -hmm. in your life. And uh, it's funny because Ben and I were kind of making fun of each other uh, because I'm a Packers fan. And obviously he's a lowly Minnesota Vikings fan. (laughs) And he, of course, brought up today uh, because he didn't. I tried to avoid him like the plague yesterday because the Packers lost. Mm-hmm. And so ironically, that was the same thing the defenders were thinking about uh, Delvin oh Cook. They would just God. avoid him. Like, Here he like, goes. <laughs> and that's exactly why uh, Americans are so invested because mm-hmm. we want to win. And once we get behind someone, we, we don't like losing. We don't take losing mm-hmm. well as Americans. Yeah, I was thinking about this too, uh, is why are we so invested? Because obviously we are – First and foremost, we are children of the King, right? Yeah. Our, we're told in Scripture that we are not of this world. We just exist in this world. And so it is interesting that we do get so invested. But I, I think there's really a couple things. One is we know that we all have unique callings. And so there are some believers, some followers of Christ, and this is their calling to be a part of politics and to spearhead politics and all things they do. But ultimately, they're trying to use that as a way to make the world a better place 
and to push us in line with Christ's teachings. And so I believe, of course, there's a place for that, but that's really a minor- minority of people. You know, a lot of people aren't running for office. A lot of people aren't our governor. I mean, that's this is a small, small, small percentage. A lot of people aren't called into that that uh, area. So a lot of us were left with this idea of, yes, we live in a wonderful nation where we actually get to vote. We went to go through with this this process and, and lift up our points of views and things like that. So, of course, that's a great blessing to us. But I'd say what really drives a vote, I would say it's, yeah, I understand the winning part, but I think also... I think really what drives the vote is that idea of fear because mm-hmm. nothing divides like fear. And so what do we fear? We fear losing. So yeah, we, we want to win, but I think we also fear losing because that's what they're, they're selling us. Is it not? You think about the politicians, Hey, if I win, uh, if I win, you're not going to lose this, but if, but if they win, you're going to lose this. And, and that's what they do because if you can, if you can, motivate people and you can motivate people by fear. That's mm-hmm. how you sell your product is mm-hmm. that person wants to take away your fill in the blank. Oh no, that person wants to take in away your, and then you just fill in the blank. And if you think about that, these politicians right now, even if you think about the reason that you're voting for it, it's more than likely the reason you're voting for a specific politician is because there's something that you feel like you're going to lose if the other person gets elected. And so I think that's why Christians get really invested is because we are driven just like everyone else by fear, which is so interesting because in Scripture, over and over again, what's the number one commandment? Do not fear. Uh, because many times when we're driven by fear, we aren't taking a logical approach to life. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes when it comes to politics, we're so driven by fear that we are not taking a theological approach to life. And so we're not seeing uh, what we need to see is that, that Jesus is the king and the ruler, that we're, we should be more concerned about the lamb than the elephant or the donkey. And uh, sometimes I think we try very hard to shove Jesus into the White House when uh, he's already sitting on a throne. And to, to sit in the White House for Jesus would be like us having to uh, sleep in a cardboard box outside in a blizzard. You know, that would be comparable. And so I think that's a lot of it is I think some of us are called to it. We should go in that direction for the betterment of our world, and Christ has called us to that. But a lot of us, we get maybe, I would say, not not that we shouldn't be invested, but maybe overly invested mm-hmm. because of that that fear component, where we're kind of trusting in ourselves more than we're trusting in Jesus. Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if we have President Donald Trump, or if we have President Joe Biden, or we have President Joe Jorgensen, I should have stuck with my wild card there. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't matter because Jesus is on the throne and our kingdom is not of this world. Our kingdom is in heaven. And so we look forward to that day and we tolerate the uh, politicians until we get there. Yeah, I, I guess the way that I think about it, I, I, may, I may have a little bit more of a cynical view. Um, I think that especially, I mean, we're talking specifically here in the United States right now. I think that our political parties that we have are very good at figuring out how to gain power and how to keep power. And I think that at the end of the day, that's what the that's what in general the political parties want. Now I think there can be there can be genuinely, you know, like you mentioned, Ben, I think that there can be I, I think that there are people who can be genuinely altruistic and want the best 
for others and work in politics. So I'm I'm not talking you know, I'm not saying something like every politician only wants power, but I say I'm saying in general, that's how our system is set up. And and I think that whether it's for good or for ill um, purposes, the parties want to gain and keep power, and so they're very good at communicating and shaping the way people think about the world in order to get them to to be afraid of the other party. So I think that I think that Ben, you're right about that fear piece, um, and then that ties into the winning. Like if if my side doesn't win, it's the end of democracy. Like the, you literally hear that every single election cycle mm-hmm. that, that our democracy is at stake. Like they try to paint the other side in the worst possible light. And I think that's because they, they're trying to gain power by collecting as many people as they can into their corner and creating a common enemy, which is the other side. Um, so I think people are so invested in politics because we're sheep. We're sheep looking for a shepherd. And I, right now, I'm, I, today, this morning, I, I spent my morning uh, working on the sermon for this weekend. And so I've been reading in Deuteronomy. And the theme of Deuteronomy is listen to Yahweh, listen to the Lord, listen to God, and don't listen to the other nations. Mm-hmm. Don't listen to other gods. And that's the thing is going on, is that the political system is really good at speaking to us and causing us to trust in politicians rather than in God. Like, I think they're very good at that. Even if they're not intending to do that, I think that's kind of a, 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 a maybe, a, it could be an unintended or an intentional consequence of um, our system. So I think people buy in, they buy in so emotionally because they, they're putting their trust in the politics to solve the problems, um, which ultimately leads us to where we are now, where it's like, I mean, the two sides are just horribly at each other's throats. Um, it's quite, I mean, it's quite vicious, uh, this, this cycle. Um, has been quite vicious. Last, I mean, it was bad four years ago. I think it's worse this year than it was four years ago. So I actually have YouTube TV here, and I haven't had TV in like such a long time. It's like fun to actually have it. But what's not fun, I've literally had to mute the commercials and stuff mm-hmm. because every other one, and Ben, you've talked about, you talked about it a little bit in your sermon this weekend, uh, this past weekend, about those nice glossy mm-hmm. little deals that they've been sending people, but... It's just, it, it's so terrible. It's like mm-hmm. so-and-so is not fit to run mm-hmm. Iowa or mm-hmm. so-and-so is not fit to run Illinois. And it's it's like, it almost feels personal. And yeah, I'm like, that's is. not even me. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I can't imagine people attacking me, my family, um, just like that, that would, that would strike a nerve. And it's, it's like everything is fair game in politics. Right. Um, And so, yeah, it's just to speak on that viciousness of it. um, I'm just so glad that Jesus is sitting on the on the throne. And I'm glad that he's not a liberal or conservative. Mm -hmm. I'm also glad he's not American. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um, I I know that even this this past year, even in my own life, which I think I like to think I'm a smart person. Sometimes that that it leads to arrogance. You know, I kind of feel like sometimes I'm the smartest person in the room, but I feel like I'm a smart person. Right. But even in my own life, this last year, I've been I've been exposed by my friends about some one-sided thinking. Like I've actually myself kind of un, unintentionally uh, created a narrative uh, where one side is it, it it was very easy for me to identify the evil of one side, but not the other side. 
even in my own life. And I didn't realize that till we had some friends visit this last year. And one of my friends just like brought that up. I was like, Eric, you're, do you hear yourself? You've only ever talked bad about this side and you've only ever talked good about this other side. And so even, even myself, like I've, I've bought into some of the viciousness, um, even unintentionally, like it's very powerful. Um, because we're, yeah, we're sheep We're we want to shepherd, we want to be led. So then let's talk a little bit about how, maybe what, what's a better way of approaching politics then, uh, as a Christian, how should we be thinking about politics? How should we be uh, thinking about this election cycle? What What are some, uh, I don't know, tips, tricks uh, from you guys for uh, our congregation? I think one of the things as you think about politics and our involvement in politics is I think we need to ask this important question. And this, is, this gets right to the heart of the matter of what Pastor Eric was just talking about. But I think the real question every one of us has to ask ourselves, and this is really a heart check, is are you willing to evaluate your politics through the filter of faith instead of creating a faith that matches your political filter? And a lot of times this is this is what we do, right? Because if we look at our faith for what it is and then we look at the political parties, neither one of them will perfectly align with our Christian faith. All right. That's right. Which means if you grew up thinking Jesus was a Republican or Jesus is a Democrat— it has less to do with the Bible and more to do with maybe the church setting you're in or the family you were raised. Yeah. Because if we just look for what Jesus taught, it clashes with the Republican ticket. Mm-hmm. It clashes with the Democratic ticket. Right. And so as Christians, we've, we've said this before about our church, but really as, as Christians, we should live in that messy middle. You know, we're, we're not trying to at New Life or in the LCMC in general, we're not trying to create churches that agree with our our political party, right? Which means in our church t- tomorrow, we're going to have 50% of our congregation probably has lost the election. And 50%, obviously by default, has won the election, which means there's going to be people who are hurting and those, there's going to be people that are celebrating. But that's that shows you the tension in the Christian faith is that our faith does not perfectly align with our political parties. And if you think about that, by necessity, that would be the reality. Because our faith never shifts, it never changes. Christ is the same today as he was yesterday. But our political ideologies and our political parties, they have shifted. You can go back 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, and people will say, this is not the same Republican Party I had when I was a kid. This is not the same Democratic Party I had as a kid. Because there's an evolution going on there. But our faith is consistent. And so, once again, I think we just got to go back to this idea that I need to view my political affiliation or my political choices, the filter of faith, and not have my political filter then dictate what Scripture says. And that's that's so, so important, which means here's an easy way to test if you have that or not. If your faith matches up perfectly with the Republican ticket, you're, you're filtering your faith with your politics and vice versa. If, if your faith matches up perfectly with the Democratic ticket, you're filtering your faith with your political ideology. Mm. And that creates, that creates a problem. Because we obviously are not to live in those camps. We're to live in Christ's camp. And then, of course, we take that truth, we pray, we uh, listen to the Holy Spirit, and then we vote. And sometimes that means we vote for with an R or a D or an I whatever that is, go George, Joe Jorgensen, 2020. <laughs> but, you know, we just, we just see. 
And I think that's the big question is when we think about our political involvement is, is what is it? Mm-hmm. Is it something we get to do as Americans, this mm-hmm. beautiful thing where we get to influence our country like no one has in the history mm-hmm. of the world? Like we actually get to choose our leaders. That's amazing. Or is it something else? Has it become a religion of itself? And if it's become a religion of itself, then we have some real, real issues. We have some real, real issues. And so we need to always ask ourselves that question, especially in America, where a lot of the news, a lot of the news cycle is all tainted or painted with this political brush. Is is it your your faith creating the filter for your politics or is your politics creating the filter for your Christianity? And like I said, I think an easy way to test that is just to say, hey, if I'm fully in line with the political party that's ever changing, then I'm not fully aligned with Christ because by default, mm-hmm. the one who doesn't change and his truth never changed because it's eternal, uh, then I need to check myself. Mm-hmm. Don't say it, Tim. Don't say be- it. Before I wreck myself. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Thought that was coming, yeah. but then I got nothing I, there. So no. it's because he wasn't paying attention anymore. But <laughs> No, I, that, that's a 90s reference. I was born in the 90s. And, you know, and... Do you remember the, ni- the election of 1990 in Mrs. Johnson's third grade class? Uh, I was not born yet. It was a big deal. You probably not, read about not, it. Your... Neither, neither was I. I wasn't born yet. <laughs> yeah, so. just, just just let that sink in. Yeah. <laughs> it was a big thing. It was a big deal. If you miss Sunday and you don't know what we're talking about, you got to go back and listen. Oh, man. Oh, man. Yeah. Th- those are those are really good points. And I think that you're right that, that I, there can be honest disagreements about policy, uh, about how to best um, order society, but they're really shouldn't be disagreements on the values with which Christians approach politics. At the end of the day, and this is some of the problem that I think that we're experiencing in, in some of the top tier Christian, evangelical Christian leadership, I think has kind of failed the church. Uh, because I think what, what Christians can really provide um, more than uh, even more so than vote, like like our actual the vote, the ballots that we cast ourselves, is that Christians can be a witness to civility and to um, cooperation. Where I, I think the secular world there isn't as much, uh, th- there's not as much pull for that. Like Christians, we have we have a mandate from God to love our neighbors as ourselves. Like that's like that's a requirement we have on our lives. Uh, we have a mandate from God to care for those who and pray for those who persecute us, to love our enemies. So what I think, again, even more than just the ballots that we cast, Christians really should be a witness for a different kind, a different way that we approach politics that isn't based on winning and losing, that isn't about getting my way and defeating the other person, mm-hmm. um, but is actually about cooperation and building um, toward a, uh, like a more whole uh, society and specifically a more whole political system. Um, that's what I think the Christian witness really can do. Uh, so I, you know, so for me, I would, I would really like to see that. Like I would like to see that be the issue that Christians really talk about when at the end of the day, like there are a lot of evangelical Christians where the one thing they really talk about with politics is abortion. Like mm-hmm. that's like the thing that they is they're they're like a single issue voter. And there's a lot of evangelical Christians out there who who are like that. 
And I would like to see values being our single issue, right? How, what, what values are we, um, creating in our society? I think that's maybe the better witness for Christians, um, is to focus on cooperation and civility to achieve shared goals. Um, cause I'm willing to bet that there are probably a number of Democrats, probably even a number of elected Democrat politicians and officials who would like to say, yeah, we would like to see abortion. There'd be zero abortions, mm-hmm. right? Like that, like that might actually be a shared goal that many Republicans and many Democrats can get on board together. You might have different opinions about how to get there, but at least you could acknowledge the, a shared goal mm-hmm. there. But instead what it becomes is, uh, you know, you have some evangelicals that that essentially vote on banning abortion rather than getting abort getting there to be zero abortions. Um, so I think that's maybe some of that shift is that I think that really what Christians could do is that they could bring values into the conversation and encourage all of our politicians to be more civil and more cooperative in in their work. Yeah, our, our north star when it comes to laws, I guess if you want to call it that or rules is we have the great commandment, which is love God and and love others. And that's what makes it so messy is if love is our North star of loving God, which of course connected with loving God is loving God's commandments because they're his loving act towards us, but also to love those around us, even those we don't want to love. So I think that's what makes it so messy because you can look at the different platforms and say, well, that's a loving act. And I, I don't see a conflict with Christ's laws in that. And the other side has something else. Well, that's a loving act. And so that's what makes it so messy and difficult. And that's why we do have Christians who will vote in different directions on this on yeah. this uh, election cycle. And I don't think there's that's just part of it. You, you've got to you've got to go to your Bible. You've got to know your values, as you said. You got to know your faith, and then you got to vote in alignment with what the Holy Spirit is calling you to do. And it's it's not as clear as we'd like it to be, um, but if we can take those truths and put it into practice, I think that we can f- at least walk out with that ability to feel good about ourselves or feel like, hey, I followed God's God's will. Um, ironically, though, as we we, the person sitting next to us might have thought the exact same thing and done something completely different. Right? Mm-hmm. But it's the big right. thing is to be true to what God is, is telling you. But so for us, it comes down to love, which makes it messy because there's a lot of things that seem to be very loving on, on uh, either side if we break them down, or at least the, how we define them. Yeah. See, I've actually never felt good about um, voting either way. You know, I've, I've always... Because like, like we've clearly established before, both parties actually directly go against some of the Christian values that we should have. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, and, and it's like, okay, well, should I just vote for, you know, something else? Should I just write Jesus in the, in every single part, um, in every single ballot? But that's, that's just uh, not a reality. And so for me, I, I've never really just been like, oh yeah, I've never felt justified. That's the right word I'm yeah, looking for. Right. And I think as Christians, we should not feel justified. Right. Like, I, I guess you should feel like it's okay to feel good. Um, but to feel justified, I believe that that digs into, okay, now I'm finding my worth in my um, party that I follow. I'm starting to, uh, my religious beliefs, um, my, my following of Christ is now, more uh, dictated by the political party. 
that uh, I'm following. Um, and, you know, Christ clearly says you can't have two masters. And so when, um, as Christians, we, we, just, we, we have to be so mindful. And there's so much prayer that has to go in into before walking to the ballot, there, before walking to the voting polls. There's so much reading that we have to do before we can just go into the voting polls. And so I just want to encourage you guys um, as believers. Hopefully you guys are praying and you guys are really um, digging into God's word before we just go and vote for someone. And I think, honestly, you might be surprised and uh, how God might change your your heart. Uh, I've actually had that before. I've actually gone in with a plan to vote for someone, and then uh, I thought to myself, okay, who are you voting for? But not like, you know, what, what person are you voting for? Right as I was about to vote, God said, who? No, who are you voting for? Like, who are you voting to help? Are you voting to help yourself? Voting to help your community? You know, are you truly loving your neighbors by voting for this person? So who are you voting for? Um, and that was just like, why would you do this to me? <laughs> like, while I'm in the poll. Like, right now, this is the worst thing that you can know. But, um, and so honestly, that's, that's now how I try to think when I vote is, um, not just who are you voting for, but like whom? One of the interesting things that you said is you kind of feel like when you go in there, you've never had a clear cut decision. <laughs> None of them are hundred percent Jesus uh, yeah. or anywhere near that. So it's kind of like picking, I think a lot of us feel like we're picking the lesser of the two evils, the lesser of the two evils. I, don't, yeah. I, I hate that. I literally, cause you're still choosing evil when you do that. Yeah. And so I've never felt yeah. that's, that's the challenge in some Christian circles they actually do not participate in the political system right. at all. And I think it comes down to that tension of feeling like, well, if I support this candidate and I know that they don't align with me on this and this and this and this, am I supporting that? And so some people just completely abstain. They're not a part of the political system. They're not a part of the military system. And that's their, that's their Christian understanding. Of course, as Lutherans, we give, we give uh, openness in that area where you can, yeah. you can opt in or opt out but when you opt in, of course, the key thing is to follow where Jesus goes. And then you're picking the least of the, you know, least of the two evils there. It's still like that. Like you, you, the, the struggle in your voice just to mm -hmm. say that tells me mm. like just it's just it's hard. It's hard. You know? Yeah. So you're really picking maybe to make it more from an optimist perspective instead of pessimist <laughs> is picking the better of the two options to bring the most light into the yeah. world. And so that's really what we're doing. Yeah, I remember in 2016, uh, that, oh man, that election cycle was horrible. That <laughs> that was another bad one. But I remember that year, and maybe I'm just revealing, whatever, I'm, I'm fine with, with revealing who I voted for, but I actually wrote in a an option mm -hmm. in 2016. Please don't tell me you voted for Hamron Bay, because there were 11,000 no, people no, I did not. who voted for that dead gorilla. No, and I that did not vote for showed Harambe. me. Um, how the millennials <laughs> did not really care. Yeah, they didn't care. Um, no, but I wrote in one of the, this person was one of the other candidates during the primaries. And I actually wrote them in uh, because that's who I wanted to, to win the primary for their particular party, which I won't tell you who, you know, what party it was, but be, because I had bought into this very like legalistic way of thinking mm -hmm. that was, if you, vote for somebody you are complicit in all the evil that that happens because of that person 
So during the election cycle, that was a big deal where people were talking about, hey, if you vote for Hillary Clinton, you are complicit in every abortion that happens mm-hmm. because of her. And same thing with, with Trump. If you vote for Trump, that's what people were saying. If you vote for Trump, you are complicit in all the violence and racism that is perpetuated because of him. And I was, I was petrified in 2016 uh, because I had bought into that narrative. And you know what? At the end of the day, it might be true. Like that might actually be true that we, you know, if we vote for somebody, we are complicit. But here's the deal is that, like you said, Ben, these people aren't Jesus. Like you, they are going to sin and you supporting them, even if you are complicit in their sin, you're complicit in their sin. Like, like no matter which side it is. So I guess for some of you who aren't excited about this election cycle or excited about these candidates, um, I have a lot more freedom in my life now knowing that knowing that I'm I'm sinning either way. Like it's mm. sinful to participate <laughs> in the system because it's perpetuating all sorts of evils. Um, in but our that just world. arises so many questions. Oh in man, me. big time. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and we'll get there like, and we'll get there. So I guess my encouragement to you is that, you know, Tim, I, you know, you, like you mentioned, if you're feeling like Tim out there and you leave that vote, that voting booth and you do not feel good, you know, even if you voted for the best option, as your conscience is telling you, if you don't feel good, you are forgiven. Like Jesus has died for you and he has forgiven you for all the sin that you've committed and all the sin that might may come because of your choice in this election. Um, so just know that you're forgiven. You are forgiven. And that freedom um, comes from what we're going to get into here a little bit. And, and Ben, I think you're going to be a, a pretty big help in kind of explaining this. Um, but it's the Lutheran understanding of politics. And it's based on uh, what we call the doctrine. I don't even know if it's really technically a doctrine. Maybe it's the, the idea. Um, but the two kingdom theology, the two kingdom doctrine, which essentially Lutherans have since the beginning have had this very clear distinction between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of the world. And scripture shows us that there are things that the kingdom of God does. It proclaims the gospel. It forgives sin. It it works the mission of Jesus in the world presently. The kingdom of man is good and is ordained by God, according to Romans chapter 10, to rule with authority in in the world, to protect people, um, to protect those who are vulnerable, to enact laws, to enforce those laws, essentially government, right? And that's from Romans chapter 10, where Paul talks about how the government has the power of the sword. They have the mm-hmm. power to, to um, enact and enforce laws that are for the common good. Now, of course, as Christians, the gospel informs our decisions and the gospel informs our opinion about the kingdom of man, but those are still two distinct kingdoms. And what we see in scripture is that uh, rulers are actually going to be judged based on how they ruled. So there's like, um, there's almost this other category where if you are entering into leadership and Paul talks about it even as teachers um, or preachers of the faith, as pastors, um, that you're kind of held to a different standard because you're in this position of leadership. Um, so there is a judgment that's going to come down on the rulers of the world. They're going to be judged on how they ruled. Um, and that's kind of a separate category than how the rest of us are going to be judged. It's just a different way of, of, of 
judgment that God mm. is enacting in the world. So Ben, can you maybe give, fill us out a little bit more about the two kingdoms doctrine? I, I know a little bit of it, but I don't know. I don't know all the ins and outs. I honestly thought you did a pretty good job, okay. so I'm not going well, <laughs> yeah, right, to add yeah. that much. I guess, you know, I think sometimes the best thing is to take something complex and simplify it. And just understand that as as Christians, the two kingdom doctrine frees us up. Yeah, and and we have first first and foremost, we are we are children of the King. We are servants of the King. So that is our kingdom. Yeah. The second kingdom is the one we live in that God gives to us, and we see in Romans thirteen that the rulers are given to us for our benefit. What actually is is why we've done some of the things we've done at New Life during this time is that God has placed those people in charge for our benefit. And so because of that, we have not bucked the law during this stay-at-home order. We have not bucked the law when it comes to mitigation. We've always followed the law because uh, God has put those rulers in place. Now, we right. might not agree with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we might feel like we're the safest place in town, and to limit our numbers makes no sense. And uh, sometimes we might even feel like maybe we can't get the truth out there as much as we want to. But... We, we follow the rulers that God has put in our place for right. our benefit. And, and what we've seen just by listening to God and following his word is that we've, we've influenced more people this year than we have the previous year when there was no virus. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we trust in God. We follow his word, even if it goes against our logic and how we're thinking. So really, when we think about the second kingdom, the kingdom we live in, it's, it's the benefit that we get from that kingdom. Mm-hmm. And so that's why in, in Europe, the Lutheran churches actually can receive money from, uh, from the government to support their churches and keep them going, right? They're actually getting a benefit from that. In the United States, of course, we kind of bristle at that because there's this idea of separation church and state. And we're, yeah, we're, but churches don't have taxes. So, you know, yeah. we, we, we do get, you know, we do get similar, some benefits. We're just not funded by. Yeah, it's, it's different. Yeah. But we, you know, we kind of bristle at that <laughs> idea of government and we're worried about intrusion and stuff like that. But it's really is the the government in this earth is we are not to be, uh, it is not God, but it does offer us some benefits. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so we we keep those things separated. They don't become one. Uh, the United States is not a theocracy. Right. It never will be yeah. uh, unless Jesus, you know, until Jesus comes back and establishes his rule and reign, we will not have that yeah. again. And uh, ever since the Old Testament, when there was a theocracy, and then they brought in the king, and they started, you know, they put uh, Saul in charge, and the process went on, and everything kind of fell uh, apart. And every kingdom like that has been like that because that's why they wanted that kingdom, because every other kingdom was like that. Mm-hmm. And we see the human reign falling apart. But despite yeah. that, God does put these people in place for our benefit. And so we, we receive that benefit, but we don't fall into this false notion that the nation that we live in or any other nation is somehow a theocracy. Right. We always put the kingdom of God first. Yeah. Yeah. That also frees us up to, to say it's okay that there are different, different rules and that there are different expectations Mm -hmm. of the kingdom of God and the kingdom of the world. So that, that actually frees us up from what would be, you know, like, and we've talked about this a lot from, uh, during worship services, that really, in a lot of ways, um, as we are conservative theologically, uh, of the conservative theologically Lutheran Church, um, but politically, there's a lot of there's a lot of wiggle room mm-hmm. for Lutherans because because we don't demand that a human government behave 
based on all the moral legislation that we see in scripture. Like there can, in fact, there are kind of two separate sets of rules that we can expect from, uh, from the, the proclamation of the gospel and the power of the sword, the power of the word and the power of the sword, um, kind of as, as Paul talked about it in Romans. So that frees us up from the guilt of, well, I don't like everything that this person is about, or I don't like everything that this person does, or I don't like everything that this person um, believes, but we can say, but this is still the best option. This is the, this is the option that's going to produce the most health for our country, for my community, for my state. And you can participate in that. And if your side wins, great, that's fine. But if it loses, you're still free from, you're, you're free from it. You don't have to like, you don't have to buy in emotionally to the pro the political process. Mm. Um, you, we can have, and I think that Christians ought to have a kind of an emotional separation from the political process. Cause ultimately that's not what we're concerned about. And so what we should do, if we don't like the way that things are going, we participate in the process. We call our elected officials. We, you know, we donate to activist organizations. We participate in protests. We, and then we vote, right? We just, we are part of the process, but we don't have to like, man, because I just see it. I see it with right now. It's like boomers and young millennials. They're like the most emotional people about, politics right now um and it's funny because they're like on opposite ends of the political spectrum too. well because those are our parents basically yeah like right. the young millennials parents are boomers mm. and so it's like we're arguing <laughs> with yeah, our right. parents that's right yeah and so um people are just so bought in and there's just so much anxiety and we just don't have to have that so that's i guess maybe that's an encouragement that the two kingdoms provides a, a way for us to process politics without having all the anxiety of all the weight on our shoulders that if we don't do this right, we're going to ruin everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's actually, for me, just to give you kind of my North star in this is I kind of talked about right away. When I think about politics, I'm looking at the great commandment, love God. So love what God tells us to do, right? That's part of loving God is following his commandments, love others. And I believe his commandments are loving towards others. Mm-hmm. But my, my biggest thing is the Great Commission then. So we take those things together. And the way I like to say it is we want to do the loving act of proclaiming Christ's loving act and his death on the cross for our sins. And so because of that, that's my North Star. I don't want anything to get in front of that mission. And so you'll notice if you go on my Facebook, it's absent of political posts. Mm-hmm. If you go in my yard, there's there's no political signs unless someone did that against my uh, will today. I don't know. <laughs> Because and it's funny, it's funny on your street, it's like one of your neighbors has one sign, your other neighbor has another sign, and then you're in between them. Yeah, yeah, I have a big JB poster basically on the left side of my yard, not from me, from my neighbor. Mm-hmm. And then on the other corner of my lot is like JB sucks or something like that. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's pretty awesome. Uh, I feel like. I wonder if those neighbors have ever talked to each other. I feel like, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like I'm the neutral ground, like whatever yeah. that little section in between Mexico and the United States. I feel like that's me. Mm. No, no man land. Yeah. I'm just kind of like holding the fort, but I will say, I don't mind if they have those, the signs up there. I don't like when they get them close to my yard mm. because I don't want people to view me as a yeah. political entity Yeah. because we know in our church and in our community that automatically is going to put because of our politically charged atmosphere, 50% of the people against me, which right. means my main mission is to proclaim the cross of Christ, which puts 50% of people are, are now 
are have that veneer that's getting in the way of me being able to speak the truth of the gospel. Mm-hmm. And so I just try to stay away from yeah. it. Inside my house, we have those conversations. I listen to the podcast that I listen to. I'm going to vote the way that I, I'm going to vote today. But on the outside, I don't want people to see, not because I don't want to influence in that way, but because my major focus is the cross of Christ and what mm-hmm. Christ has done for us. And and right now in this atmosphere, it's not a win for me to do that. Right. That's right. It's, it's a stumbling block. Yeah, it's, it's a stumbling yeah. block that I'm unwilling to put up. And so that is another thing that I think we should think about as Christians is our primary role is to fulfill the Great Commission. Yeah. And if we start getting the way of ourselves, then we have put our politics in front of our faith. And I'm not saying don't yeah. put signs in your yard. That's totally your call, and, and you need to do that. But for me as a pastor, you can see where that becomes quite a bit different because I'm proclaiming the gospel and proclaiming the truth. And and I want to live in this space, and this happens, so I actually feel very good about this. I want to live in this space where I teach a sermon, and I want somebody to come up to me afterwards and say, I can, I can tell that you're a Democrat. And that same Sunday, someone will come up and say, I can tell you're a Republican. Mm. That means I've shot perfectly in line with Christ's teaching, because this is what we know about Christ's teaching is, it's not a Republican teaching, and it's not a Democratic teaching. Which means if I teach Christ, and people are like, yeah, you must be this or you must be this, and I just kind of walk away. (laughs) I'm like, well, I'm not going to tell you counter that. Uh, That doesn't serve the purpose. But I know I'm doing a good job because Christ will never be in one wing or the other. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's that's kind of my how much to be involved in politics. That's kind of where I land as a pastor, just because of those things. I don't want to get in front of the gospel. That would be right. that would be something I'd be very saddened by. Yeah, yeah. And there are brothers and sisters who they they believe that you have to vote a particular way if you are a Christian. Like that's like, that's out there in the airwaves. Um, there are lots of probably an endless amount of YouTube videos, Facebook posts that, uh, that are something along that, those lines. And in Romans 14, Paul talks about, um, it, it's that, that's where that reference, don't put a stumbling block in front of your, you know, mm-hmm. your brother. Um, he talks about eating meat sacrificed to idols in that section. And, he says that the weaker brother, the weaker person, the weaker believer uh, may have the belief that you are not allowed to eat meat sacrificed to idols. The stronger believer may know that they have the freedom to eat meat sacrificed to idols. But if that believer eating meat sacrifices, sacrificed to idols causes another believer to stumble into idolatry, then it's better for that believer to not eat meat sacrificed to idols in front of or around that other believer. And so I think that's actually maybe a fairly decent analog to, to politics. And I, and I do, and maybe, I, I don't know, maybe I'll offend some of you, but it, I, I think, I believe that it's true that I think that if, that if you say, or if you believe that you have to vote a particular way, if you're a Christian, I mean, I think that's a sign. I think that's a sign of weakness. I think that you. I think that that shows that you have not adequately thought through the implications of the gospel, and you haven't really thought through the implications of whatever your party's platform is. Uh, Pastor Ben, to your point, deciding to stay, which I do the same thing, deciding to stay apolitical in in public, actually provides a greater opportunity to uh, be have witness to the gospel, and maybe maybe that's where my earlier answer about. 
Christians focusing on values uh, maybe came from because then we can we can have the, we can have those values um, without necessarily saying coming down hard on one side or the other. But I think like if you're a Christian and you're just like, you know, you have one of those Pritzker suck signs out in your yard, you know, like that, like you're not. Well, first of all, I'm, that's that's not loving our governor. <laughs> you know, I mean, that there, there are some I think there are some problems with that. Well, first of all, just to be clear, just to give grace, it does say uh, the Pritzker life sucks, the life out of small businesses. It's just that the oh, life yeah, out of small it's yeah. like font two. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, very you know, small. But, but, but if you're committing to that, you're you're committing to an ideology of a particular party or political platform, not necessarily to um, the, the gospel of Christ. So, so I think for those of us who have the freedom to say, yeah, you know, we like, I think that there can be honest disagreements about things like fiscal policy, about those types of things, about uh, the size of the federal government. That's great. Like, I think that there can be honest disagreements about that. And I think that there can be Christians who vote Republican, Christians who vote Democrat and everything in between. Um, and so those of us who, who have that freedom, who know that freedom, I think it's really important for us to not flaunt it and not be like really obnoxious about who we're voting for. Um, because I think that actually causes a stumbling block to others. Um, because I know for a fact, like if I, you know, if I stood up on a Sunday and told everyone, um, that I voted for Trump or told everyone that I voted for Biden, I, you know, we would lose half the congregation. I mean, people would leave the church because of that. So it's just not worth breaking those relationships. Mm -hmm. And it's not worth breaking that cooperation um, in order to make a point, you know, a political point about who I think should be president. So you're telling me that uh, next week, whenever we get the results, because it's probably, it might not be this week, Mm -hmm. because mail-in stuff, I shouldn't be posting my wins and losses on Facebook, <laughs> only <laughs> shouldn't be celebrating. Shouldn't throw party. Well, you shouldn't yeah. be throwing parties anyways. Because <laughs> no, you shouldn't be throwing parties anyway. <laughs> only, only if it's gambling. Only if it's if it's bets that you've put down okay. on. Okay. Particular, you can celebrate if you've won a lot of money okay. because you you put your money on the right. You candidate. also, I will also. Yeah, I was just going to say double. you tie. Yes, tie double. Tie double on the on the bets. Yeah, okay. that's right. That's okay. Right. Cool. <laughs> So if you if our, any of our listeners ever win the lottery, remember yeah, or double. or win a lot of money when they go to Vegas or go to the casinos in in Iowa, mm-hmm. just make sure you tie up. We're, we're, jo- we're joking, of course. <laughs> you, don't, you don't actually have to do that. All right. Anything else, guys? Any other thoughts this week? Well, I want to leave us with something probably helpful as we think about this week and uh, the results. For us, it's tonight. For you, it's said and well, maybe said and done. Yeah. We have no idea. Maybe it's a perfect split, or maybe the. Uh, write-in ballots, which have been numerous, aren't in yet, whatever it is. Um, I, I want you, I want to leave you with some words from Jesus. These are words, a prayer actually, by Jesus to God before he was about to depart. And as you can imagine, if you're having some of the last conversations with somebody before your life comes to an end, now of course, you know what I'm saying there, um, those words will be the most important. And so here are these words from Jesus And I think they're going to redirect us this week, and I think it's helpful. So in John 17, if you have your Bibles, you can open it up. I'm going to start in verse 11. It says, Now I'm departing from the world. They are staying in the world. So he's talking about the disciples and his followers. But I'm coming to you, Holy Father. You have given me your name. Now, here's his request, right? So this is the end of his life. He's making one final request. He says, Now protect them by the power of your name so that they will be united just as we are. So Christ goes back. He could have asked for anything. Think of like the genie in the bottle scenario. And he says, 
may they be united as we are. So God, the Father, we know they're united, right? Three in one. One, one God and three persons. So the most unified ever. You know, there's no other unification that can be even more, even more perfect. And so he's saying, hey, I want them to be unified. So Jesus wants unity in a time of disunity, and this is for believers. Then he goes on and explains why. And, and we actually covered the scripture a while back in one of our sermons. But he, he says in verse 21, he says, I pray that they will be one. So there's that idea of unity again, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And here we go. It says, and may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. So it's this it's this unearthly unity amongst believers, despite disunification, despite disagreement, despite fear, that actually turns the world to Jesus. Because it's this unity that shows people that we are different. Everyone else is going to be disunified and angry and screaming. But as Christians, even though we disagree politically, we can be united for the cause of Christ. And this unity, it should motivate us. It's not, it's not a motivation by fear like we talked about right away. It's a motivation of love. So as a church, uh, here's what we get to do. We get to show people how to disagree politically, but love unconditionally. So we should not be divided over the temporary. We should be united around the eternal. So here's three things, okay? Here's three things for you this week. We need to learn to disagree politically, right? We already talked about how complex that is. It's not uh, easy write in the R or write in the D or put in the I because Jesus was, of course, a Republican. Jesus, of course, was a Democrat. Uh, if he was anything, he was independent, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> but we need to disagree politically, Love unconditionally, even those who we do not agree with politically. And right now, if you're thinking, I don't know anyone I don't, <laughs> I don't disagree with politically, maybe that's a problem, right? <laughs> yeah. So go find somebody that you disagree politically and then love them unconditionally. And the third thing is pray for unity. So disagree politically, one. Two, love unconditionally. And three, pray for unity. That's what God prayed for us. That's what I'm hoping for you, no matter who wins this evening, or no matter who has won by the time you're hearing this, uh, be united as one as believers, so we can disagree with one another, we can have heated conversations, but in the end, the mission is the most important, and we hope that the whole world uh, comes to faith in Jesus Christ. No matter who is in the White House, God is on the throne. Praise the Lord. Amen. 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 All right. Thank you guys for listening in. Thank you, Tim, for joining us. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. And thank you, Ben. It's been very exciting. Yeah, it was a good conversation. And of course, all three of us uh, have a spirit of of love for our neighbor and also open-mindedness. So any opinions, conversation that we had um, was not meant to offend and was not meant to pigeonhole Um so if you felt that way, that was not the intention, uh, but let reach out to us and have the conversation. Don't, uh, don't let it fester. If you, if you need any further conversation or have any further questions, uh, just shoot us an email, give us a call, let us know, uh, because we love you guys. And, um, and we want to proclaim Christ crucified to you, to your friends and, uh, and to our community. So thank you guys for listening. Have a great weekend and we'll see you later. Peace. Peace.